Now I've been happy lately Thinking about the good things to come And I believe it could be Something good has begun Oh, I've been smiling lately Dreaming about the world at one And I believe it could be Someday it's going to come Cause out on the edge of darkness There rides the peace train Oh, peace train, take this country Come take me home again I've been smiling lately Thinking about the good things to come And I believe it could be Something good has begun Oh, peace train sounding louder and more exploit who you are as a person in order to um in order to relate to the masses which is crazy because like or to interest the masses and we're trying to interest the masses right now just to let you guys know we're starting a new podcast it's 10 o'clock uh hey we're here with bella dillman and looks like sam carroll's gonna go get a burrito or something but i'm pam benjamin we're hanging out we're doing weird podcasty stuff we're talking we're hanging out in the stew so yay! I just yay! To, we just started a new one, so I was like, "All right, we gotta give a demarcation of time and stuff." 
So yay. No, all of the things that we're talking about are really important and people have to engage in actual conversations to move society forward because things are a problem. I've, um, I'm trying to feel more like a, I'm trying to use my wokeness on my Zoom calls with all my buddies in Jersey because they are fucking so racist. Do you know how racist people are on the East Coast? It's insane. I finally, this is the first time in my life that I've been like, wow, like as a woke Californian, I need to stop you in the middle of your story and talk about how you just said like four super racist things and we have to back up and start thinking about our language, bro. We can't, You, every person that like when they tell a story talks about the color of somebody's skin, don't do it. Demarcate them in any other way. They're a millennial, they're young, they're poor, they're rich, they're whatever. But don't do it by the color of their skin because one at a time, we can start rolling back this racist bullshit. I, and exactly, yeah, uh, completely. Like, I, I understand that too. Um, all this, all this, like, this free speech radio is amazing, but I think it is like necessary to have a conversation, and sometimes that's why we sometimes get into some some. We've yelled at each other, and that's mm-hmm. fine. I think we've been yelling. It's a on dialogue. The same side. It's a dialogue. No, we we yeah we were yelling on we the same side just now yeah. Side. And I shouldn't yell, and I feel like oh it makes me my and I've been taught that so, uh, in my first year of poetry school, mm-hmm. this guy Dan Langton he might be dead now, but he was a beat poet. He was with all those guys. And I had a poetry class with him, and he was amazing. And he said, and this works for comedy too, he said, when you're doing a live reading and people aren't listening to you, your impetus is to go faster and be louder. And he said, no, go against that. Go slower and be softer. If you you cut it down, if the audience isn't listening, you want to go faster. You want to tell them, like, no, listen to me, listen to me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And they're going to go get a drink and they're going to look at their phone and they're going to do whatever the fuck they're doing. But if you stop and go like silent and then whisper stuff, they're right back with you. And that was specifically with poetry, but I move that into comedy in the same way. It really, it works. It works. You have to let something sit. You do because I have, I do also have the uh, inclination to always speed through my jokes and not let them sit, but I've gotten to a better Especially place where I feel lose, so... When the audience, when you mm-hmm. see them sort of go get a drink or start looking at their phone, you're like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. But look at me, look at me up here. Like, like, I'm the top. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a thing that and I always they're not going to go like. with the, I'm a back. They're going to go, darling. Oh, hey. Hey. Like, that's with parenting, too. Hey, parents... Hey parents, let's let's take a lesson from this. <laughs> Don't yell at your kids. Don't spank your kids. Because we fucking love those kids, right? And they're not going to listen if you're just yelling at them. I'm telling you, they're just going to want to rebel more. Uh-huh. Uh, this is a woman who took two education classes. Let's go. I know everything. I know everything. Well, I've I have a uh... I've tried to call people out on the bus for bad parenting, and it doesn't always work the way I hope it does. 
there was oh god i tried to i tried to call my own mother and father out on bad parenting and they were butthurt yeah, like i get it i get it oh god you're parenting me and i'm the one that's like oh my god you shouldn't do this and they're like what the fuck are you talking about like you are the one that you, of course you don't want it. and i'm like no but, uh, power uh, struggle with i'm telling you <laughs> i'm telling you you shouldn't pinch your kids that hard <laughs> like don't pinch them right <laughs> leave them alone well they're chilling <laughs> here's the thing I, i've never shaken a baby but i've shivered a baby you know what oh i mean my God. You, like have a baby and you're like yeah why okay. are you not why are you crying it's i fed you i fed you and you have a clean diaper Pam. i'm not shaking a baby i'm it's shivering just, a baby it's just, it's a shiver like a little slight it's a gesture. shiver it's a, a shiver. gesture that you it's should be worried shiver no, I. You you look at them in the face and you go, "What do you need?" That's it. That's Don't why I get postpartum depression so much. Is because like, I I was a daycare worker and I took care of the care. I took care of the baby so good. So all good, of the all so of the good. all of the women there were like, "No, just let them cry." And I was like, "No, no. I'm going to be the fairy princess and I'm, I'm going to take care of all these babies. babies. At the same time, I'm going to take care of six babies. They're not going to cry." But there was this one baby who came in, like, in the middle of when I was working, when I was working overtime every day, like, 12 hours a day. 13th hour. Yeah, bitch. 13th hour. Like, opening and closing this fucking daycare. Mm. Doing both. Mm. And at that point, he came in, and he was eight months old, mm. and he he wasn't socialized to the daycare thing he only knew his mom he only wanted his mom he's like i need a tit right now so yeah exactly and i had to he would cry every second of the day and so i would hold him cry I don't know. It does. It, I don't know if when they're sleeping. Know about babies, mm-hmm. babies that are yeah, babies that are sleeping and that are happy, and then another baby cry. The they wake up and they're like, I'm not happy. I just want to sleep. And what they're saying is, Let me sleep. Let me sleep. That's all they're saying. And yeah. The baby's like, I need, I something. You can't get me. It's awful. Yeah. And so at that point, that I was holding that baby and I was just like, I could crush a baby. <laughs> if I wanted to crush a baby, I could crush. I didn't crush the baby. Obviously, no, I'm here. Baby. Of course, I didn't crush oh, the baby. baby. But postpartum depression is Sweet real because baby. sometimes you're just like, "Holy fucking Sweet shit, baby. this sucks." Oh goodness, I uh, there was a I had a family that I nannied for, and they their child was three months old, and they wanted to go on a vacation, and I had been with their baby, and everything was fine, and they were like, "We need to be gone for forty eight hours." And wow, wow, it is, I am so glad I never birthed my own child and I'm so glad that I get paid to hang out with small children and it makes me crazy that moms aren't paid to hang out with small children because it is a real fucking job. It is actual hard labor and that it isn't respected makes me like cringe that we have arguments about how women aren't respected right now in our current current gestalt when everybody demonizes single moms and that makes no sense because they are working so much harder they're a single mom that means they probably have a two jobs and they're still taking care of their children 
And then you're like, oh, we shouldn't give you money, you weirdo. Why are you taking money to fucking raise children, which is so hard? I don't know. And I'm just a nanny. I don't even have my own kids. I can't even imagine. I just try to love your kids as hard as you would love them. You love your own kids? I want to love your kid as much as you love your kid. Because you're paying me 20 bucks an hour. Of course I'm going to love your kid real hard. You're paying me to do it. I'm super down, bro. I will love your child. I love kids. I love cats. I love birds. And dogs are okay or whatever. Dogs are great. You just have to... The pooping. Oh, so much pooping. Babies are great, but so much pooping, right? Like, wow. And here's the thing. Why can you throw baby poop away in, like, the regular garbage? But in the tenderloin, when people shit into a clamshell, everybody gets all up in arms like, oh, they're shitting in the... Why are they throwing poop away in the... Are we not... Why is baby poop okay to throw away, but human... Are babies not humans? I don't know. No, yeah, I, I, I get that. Um, There's, there's like, this whole, like, bio... Like, when I was working at a daycare, too, there was one kid who was... Who only had cloth diapers. Oh, God. And we had to just scrape that shit out, yeah, dude. Yeah, like, toilet. Yeah, yeah. What do you flush do? You flush it down and then you stick it in a plastic you bag. You can't expect if you're at a daycare. If your kid's at a daycare, you cannot expect those women. It's an organic who are, daycare. Okay, who are mostly like Pakistani and Indian women who have not gotten like opportunities to do anything. Like w- one of my coworkers was a fucking engineer. Yeah, of course. Was a fucking engineer in Pakistan. And she, she was like, when I quit, she was like, how much do you get paid? And I was like, nine fifty. And then she was like, I get paid $7 an hour. And I was like, I'm so much under, I'm so much more underqualified than you. Yeah. How the fuck are they paying you this, dog? Like, how the fuck are you paying? Well, that's, so that's the thing is that when the cheaper the labor, the more profit exists. And that's how America was built. Here's the thing I say all the time. Everyone's like, oh, how much do you love Abraham Lincoln? Oh, Abraham Lincoln, he freed the slaves and did all this stuff. Abraham Lincoln didn't free the slaves because he was a fucking humanitarian. He freed them because the people in the North were pissed at the people in the South. So they're like, we can't make as much money because they have free labor. Yeah. They have free labor. They have slavery and they don't have to pay their workers. And we're up here trying to make a product and we have to pay our people actual money, even if they're indentured servants. And we've been trying to subjugate them for a long time, but they have fucking rights or whatever. And they just won't let because we wrote this thing about the Constitution. We're like, oh, people have rights. And like, oh, no, we got to respect their rights. And we don't and they don't have to respect these people's rights as rights. And they get free labor. Fuck them. And that's why Abraham Lincoln fucking freed the slaves. It was to placate all of the industry people in the North because yeah. they had to pay for I their mean, labor. I mean, it's kind of impossible. It, it is kind of impossible to believe that... Um, well, I mean, I guess there were abolitionists of the age and stuff like that. And like, they were I just humanitarians. Don't, uh, yeah. They were saying these people are people. But what I'm saying is that the politician of Abraham Lincoln did not free the slaves because he was a humanitarian, not because he was Frederick Douglass, not because he was fucking Harriet Tubman, not Mm -hmm. for any of those reasons, but because he had to placate the capitalist 
movement in the north yeah but it and just kind of like spurs a con it spurs a conversation like i know that politicians like are it's very easy to see to feel like they're doing everything to further their career in politics but if there were people in the north who um who didn't want slaves who were in that same boat like couldn't it, it it could also be possible that he uh abraham lincoln like yes that is an ulterior motive and that's like something that is kind of believable but also it's not unbelievable that uh abraham lincoln felt things for these for these people who were being oppressed and kind of was like just more of a progressive soul and had this empathy about him and stuff I like that. I hope so. Yeah, like that's definitely a hope, but also and it is believable like what you're saying is just like oh if it like if if you do really believe that all politicians are completely figureheads yeah. that are total puppets that are just mm -hmm. forwarding the keeping the wealth in the At hands of a few. At that point in time though, I don't really think that very many people had the op like especially now like now no one votes like how many people were really voting well you at couldn't that point. vote women couldn't vote i know women couldn't vote and, and, and like and how many people, people were exactly fifths of a vote like so what? who were the people who were really voting like were you really puppets of this this mass people like but also people who were incarcerated can't vote exactly and, and that's uh racist and systematic who gets mm -hmm. to vote so you have to have money to vote. You have to be a landholder to vote. Originally, you had to be a landholder. And what if you aren't? What if you're a woman and you're not allowed to hold land? What if you're a witch? And what if your dad gave you land and you didn't get married because of whatever reason and then they crucify you as a I witch? Mean, yeah, because they, they want to mm -hmm. steal your land. That's what they were doing in the 15s and 1600s in fucking in England. They, all the women that had any volition of their own without a man, they were a witch. And what did you do? They couldn't have anything, and then they just kill them, and you take whatever they had, and wow, I don't know. It's like, mm -hmm. are we going to move into the future and see people as people? When is a person a person? When is someone who lives in Malaysia good enough that they don't make 10 cents on the dollar? When does it mean that, oh, you're making, like, so, for example, like, old Navy jeans, like, where are they made? Malaysia and Kuala Lumpur and all these places. And people are paid nothing. And they have real skills. When you sew pants, sewing is a real skill. So we're just not paying those people because they live in another country. What, because they're not good enough? Like, because only Americans get to have this lifestyle or only Chinese people? Or who do we decide that gets to have a roof over their head and, and not have to poop into a ditch? Like, when mm -hmm. do we decide that we can facilitate everyone's needs yeah that that's really hard um it's i just peed like, on the I, I, last night yeah <laughs> oh yeah it. definitely like oh <laughs> like you got to sometimes i i've been peeing in public a lot more lately uh because i'm tired of waiting well covid has closed all the bathrooms you go to a fucking uh gas station and you can't use the restroom like, no one lets you use the potty because, oh, the COVID and the stuff. And so we just keep getting yeah. more and more distanced. And who gets to use a toilet? Who's good enough? It's just like, it Who's is really scary is to me. Enough? I just, like, honestly, ideally, if I wasn't bored as shit and fucking tired as fuck of being inside, I just would ideally want to be, like, ideally, okay. I ideally would want to be a cast member on Love Island. 
Oh, I don't know what this is. Love Island, they are in a quarantine bubble in Las Vegas. Oh, goodness. Drinking cocktails mm. and fucking bitches, mm. dude. And like being filmed for reality TV and having drama. Like, that is fine with me. I wouldn't get sick. No one would be going out. Like, that's my ideal. Like, I want to have Big fun. You want to be on Big Brother. I want to be on Big Brother. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I want. That's yeah. They Big Brother. Quarantine before quarantine. They were like, oh, no, you're quarantined. It was like, I can't handle it. There are so many yeah, videos yeah, yeah. of people having to tell the people on Big Brother that they were in quarantine. Like, they were like, well, um, uh, I understand that you guys have been here for two weeks and don't know anything about the news, but the news is that everyone's dying and everything's locked down. And you know how you thought you were going to be here for three weeks? I think you might be here for ten months. <gasps> you know, like that kind of... What's in the refrigerator? That's yeah. the thing. Is like, Big Brother, I want to get into that refrigerator. I would never get kicked off any of those shows because I love cooking so much. Oh, yeah. And nobody, would, they'd be no, like, no one oh, would, mm-hmm. we can't get rid of Pam. Mm-hmm. She's cooking all the good meals. She's working with the sap. How'd she find the saffron? What even is that? She smuggled it in. How did that happen? Yeah. I mean, are you, is everything going to be okay? You checking it out? I keep, you know. Yeah, yeah. I just, oh, every I once in a while. I know. Somebody uh, <laughs> film us here. Eight, 4 HD. It's going to be like Muni Radio uh, reality uh, TV show. Yeah, we are currently in the midst of just the most Flava Flav shit I've ever. Like, it's like, who wrote this? Who I don't want this. this. Who wrote it? Oh, I'm Who in. wrote this? Who wrote it? Because <laughs> it's like, honestly, I know I'm the queen of the universe, as I said before, but like, I didn't write this story. I don't want this. Uh, no, you're 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 a feminist queen. I love you. I I, yeah. I think you're so funny and original and wonderful, and I'm so glad that you're here and hanging out at Mutiny Radio. Bella Dillon, everyone. Suck. Will they do sometimes? I honestly think that they're just babies. And They're big they, old babies, and honestly, that's why I was like, that's why I was not really into at first dating someone who was younger than me, because I was like, I already hate men who are older than me. <laughs> like they already act like fucking children. Like, True. what am I gonna do with a man who's younger than me? Yeah. yeah. Well, it is impossible to curb anyone's behavior, but. Sometimes you have to put your foot down, and even oh, if you don't understand did. at the time, it's just that for, for my own safety tonight, I had to put the kibosh on some behavior. He's done because, it to me. But He's done thing. it to me, if too. If you applaud negative behavior, then they think it's okay. Yeah. I used to teach small children, and if you give them positive reinforcement for a negative behavior, they think the negative behavior, because it yields attention not all, uh, negative he attention, is positive. just a you little can't. boy lashing out right now and i'm so mad about it because it's like uh, it's a lot of men too like my cousin's husband who's just sitting there lashing out because someone got mad at him for not wearing a mask one time like the reason why he's being like this is because he was like oh, well, I wasn't wrong for not wearing a mask that one time, and now you guys are mad at me like I was never wrong. 
you know like that's how it is with men sometimes like and i'm i don't know if it's men like maybe sometimes it's women i honestly haven't interacted as much with women especially romantically i think that women are not taught that their ego is as important as men are taught that their needs and i think ego is derived out of needs mm-hmm. and a lot of times men's needs are more aptly met no, but also I feel bad for men. I do. I'm sorry. I feel bad for myself, obviously, all the time. I feel bad for women all the time. But I feel bad for men because, like, how, like, what would it be like to grow up with this entitlement that, like, it, every little thing sets me off? Like, I would fucking hate that because I'm a kind person. And whenever I get angry, like, right now when I'm angry, I'm like, I fucking hate that. I hate that. I don't like, like to feel angry. Well, sometimes I do. If I'm in a if I'm in a rant and I'm yelling at someone, feeling angry can feel good, as long as you're comfortable enough with the person that you know that at the end of it they're gonna be okay. Like if you're gonna yell at someone, it has to be a person that you're comfortable enough with that you they're not exactly. gonna hate you at the end of it. And this is the first person that I truly have felt com- like because people have done shit shit to me all the time. But this is the first person that I felt comfortable with being like, I'm calling you out right this fucking second. You're being an idiot. And then he's like, why don't we bring up? And I'm like, you're being an idiot, dude. Like, that's you being an idiot. Like, right. that, that's completely unfounded. We just had like four weeks of us being in complete bliss. And even two days ago, talking about how much we were honeymooning still, he's just like, it is infuriating that change, you know, like it's. It's annoying, you know, because I feel so secure that when this happens, I know it's just like him being a fucking dickhead. And I'm like, it's not him being. It's any- alcohol, honestly. Yeah. And I fuck it, that's all it, hate is. it sometimes, it's though. All, it's all it is. And uh, my last relationship for seven years with with a wonderful gentleman and I, and I do still love him dearly. But. Even after we broke up, he said, it's so funny because I realize now that 75% of our relationship was based on alcohol. And that is absolutely true. That for seven years, our relationship was so blissful because all we did was drink together. Oh, no. Like, I've been sober for a long – well, I mean, like, on and off sober for a long time. And it's not about us drinking together because he's been sober, too. And it's like he's the one person – he is the one man who is, like, one of the only men who has turned me down while I was drunk. You know, like, uh, you know, because I I know he respects – that sort of – like, I know he puts on, like, a big front and he's going through a lot right now. But, like, he's fucking – like, he's a good person, and that's the thing that I see, that it's so annoying when I see him doing these things, and I don't know when it's going to prove it. Like, I don't, he's not going to prove himself that he's a bad person because I know how good he is. Yeah. You know? Like, he's he's an amazing fucking person, and it just annoys me when he does stuff like this because it's, an, it's not him. Yeah. And maybe I put him on a pedestal, but it's not him. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's the alcohol. I'm telling yeah. you. It's, uh, it, and I, I've browned out black. I mean, when I'm in a blackout, nobody knows it because I'm still lucid. So I make choices and I'm still myself. I just don't remember it later, but I can get, and because I don't remember it later, it sort of gives me this blanket to not be afraid of my behavior. And that's Mm -hmm. something that I'm working on in that 
I have to eat enough so that I don't black out. And like, why do I feel the need to not have any responsibility for what I'm doing with my behavior? Exactly. Like I have so many times had to go back and take responsibility for what I've done during a blackout because I am like, I have done multiple things, not only to get arrested, but to like, like my friends, like I, I was so many positive, like I was so, I was so positive so many times that my friends were never going to speak to me again because I like would black out and fucking fist fight them. Sure. You know, like bad fights. I, I hear you. Yeah, exactly. So it's like you have to own up for that shit, but it's so hard to get to the point where you will because you're always like, I was drinking. I can be different when I'm not drinking. I'm a, I'm a whole different person whole different when I'm person. drinking. Well, but that's, and it's like, yeah, but then but reel it back, baby. But don't black out. If you don't remember your own behavior, what do you have to be responsible for? Exactly. Now, that's my own, like, of course, and it's – it's so much easier when you wake up, when you come out of a blackout and you're like, where am I? I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to get home. Who knows what happens? Whatever. Like it's much, I'm so lucky I've never had an STD, honestly. Yeah. I've woken up in people's houses with, and I'll even admit this on radio, with wet jeans. You ever been on the 14 bus going back? Oh, you to your pissed house? your pants I first? I pissed my pants. I know. I've I been there too. Wet fucking pants on, the, and I'm on the bus, and I'm like, can everybody smell me? Everybody smells piss. Everybody can see that my pants are wet. Does it look like my pants are dry? What does it look like? I don't know what's going on. Oh, shit. Like, and I'm still a little drunk, so I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, I pissed my pants. I'm good. Hope. But to like, be wow like it's yeah and but then because i was so wasted i don't remember what happened so i don't have to take responsibility for all of that because i don't remember it anyway exactly but that's what i'm trying to change i mean i'm fucking over 40 now jesus christ it's time to change that shit right and i i definitely eat more and i haven't and peed my pants in a long time. Oh, congratulations. But here's the thing, people who might date me in the future. If I decide to pass out, not in my bed, with my jeans in, on on the carpet, that's because my jeans are a sponge. Please, please don't take my pants off. Please, please, boy who's staying with me, nice man, whoever you are, leave me on the carpet. Do not take my pants off. They are a sponge. Oh, yeah. Be on the team. Absolutely. Be on the team. Absolutely. Be on the team. Don't, like, <laughs> my mom, I, okay, so one of the most embarrassing things that's ever happened to me is, okay, the, okay, one of the most embarrassing things that ever happened to me is when I went to my cousin's wedding, and I was completely fucked up. It was like... It was a weekend where there were three parties and a party suite. So the first night, I hooked up with one of his friends and um, ran away from security trying to get into, uh, trying to not get in trouble because I was underage. And then there was the next day where I was just blackout and hooked up with another one of his friends. And then the third day, it was the wedding, the wedding. And I went home with my mom who was sleeping in the other bed. And I pissed this hotel bed so bad, so bad. 
and my mom tried to undress me and it was just so much worse it was just everywhere that's not what we want it's absolutely not what we want it was it, like that was probably the time that my mom was like okay time to time to change <laughs> like reel it back daughter of mine yes please i love you so much but if you could not pee in i threw up once uh I was on a family cruise uh, going to Alaska. My parents, I was, I was 19 at the time. They put my brother and I in a room deep, deep in the caverns. They were up with one of the things. They had a balcony. And uh, I, I drank so much, I threw up in my bed. Mm -hmm. And then I tried to take all of my sheets into the shower to sort of wash them off. And I was in a room with my brother. And I had to wake up the next morning. And I had to go kayaking with my dad. No. And I was so hungover. And I kayaked. And we were like hitting salmon. And I was like, this is so beautiful. And this would be great if I didn't want to die right now. It wasn't um, the end it of was, me. I, I, was, I remember being a kid. Uh, I remember my parents used to buy me things. That was great. <laughs> that was awesome. I remember those days. <sighs> a parastone. They don't. Uh, they don't respect my lifestyle very much. No, really. Nope, not at all. They are not into free speech and what I'm doing. Uh, they're um, Christians. They mm -hmm. uh, love God very much. Oh yeah. And that's great. That's. I, I. They're afraid of death. That's cool. I'm down. Like it's fine. I. I. I'm down with existential dread. They want to believe in twelve mansions in heaven. Good stuff. Like. Hell yeah. Yeah. No. Hey, I respect it. Like. If if I could have a, va I feel like I took, I feel like I was in the Matrix and I took the fucking red pill or whatever, and I was like, oh, now I see the truth and everything sucks and we're all gonna die, and uh, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the reality of life. That's well, that's what's so crazy because it's like when you're trying so hard to get something and you feel like that's the only way that your life will be fulfilled, mm. then that be creates like a completely different environment for you to have fun. Like I feel like I have so many things that could make my life happy and it's like, you can't, you can't just bet on one. Obviously like I'm not going to do anything to, uh, get rid of those opportunities, but I'm going to work my hardest on every single opportunity that could possibly make me happy. And maybe that'll make me a jack of all trades, but master of none, but maybe I'll be happy. There's a old song from the forties and it's a standard and it goes, I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. Yeah. I'm betting everything I have on you. Uh, and it's, and it's not, don't put all your eggs in one basket. That's don't how do I it. feel sometimes don't, though. You can't. Well, and God, for a long time in my life, I didn't, I, I separated my eggs and, and now I've got all my eggs in the mutiny basket and it's very scary because then it's like, oh my God, what if I lose the basket? But then it's like, wow, what freedom if the basket disappears? Like, wow, what would, what would happen to my life? If I didn't have this albatross around my neck, like what could yeah, I do? Where exactly? Could I, go? I could go and some yeah. I sometimes it, it seems like the better option. Maybe. Sometimes it seems like the better option to take that albatross off your neck. But also, if it's the thing that you love and it's the thing that you are really doing, and it's like you've worked so hard for it, 
then why give it up? That's my thing is it's like it's so hard for me to give things up. I know. I know. Because of that. Because I'm like, I have put so much into this. But maybe attachments. I mean, the Buddhists say that attachments are the root of all suffering. So if you remove all the attachments, then you can finally be free. And but so, that's so crazy to me because attachments, family, you know? like I, like I, I see attachments more with like attachment with people Yeah. and it's like family, friends, what do you do when those go away? Because I don't think I would be happy because when I haven't had those personal, um, ties, yeah, tethers to tethers the world, yeah. to the world. Yeah. it's been so different for me. And I like, honestly, like me thinking that I'm a fucking God who's controlling the world is so much less healthy than me having a fucking boyfriend and being like in my family and helping them out like i would rather not be famous because i would think that i was like fucking the controller of the universe my brain would be insane i don't think i could handle it i think the answer is to smoke more pot I think that that's... I think the answer to smoke less pot, dude. Honestly, like, I smoked pot from Sam, and now I'm like, hello, I am the fucking... (laughs) I am the number. I am a god. I am a king. I am a king. I am a god. (laughs) Everything's gonna work out. I can control this person. It doesn't matter my expectations, because no matter how high they are, they will reach them, because I control everything. Well... Which is a lie and a fucking disappointment when I don't control everything. The only thing we can control is our own selves and our reactions to the things around us. Exactly. But I've gotten to a point that I'm like, people think it's fucking weird. Like, people think I'm being, like, fucking victimized. Not by, like, by everybody. Like, by my mom, by my family. Everyone thinks I'm being victimized. But I'm like, honestly, I don't give a fuck, dude. Like, just, like, like, I don't. Like, that's the thing. Like, yes, they have high expectations of me, but... I'm there. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, why do you think this is a bad thing? Like, it's fine. Like, I'm fine. And it's not me being, like, disingenuous or not following my dreams. It's like, I'm glad that I get to help my family out. I'm glad that I get to help people out. That's my fucking calling. That's my calling is helping people. Why aren't you a nun? No. Put on the I habit, baby. Fuck so much. Oh, I f- God, too much, dude. I do, and it's like also like I like I like God. Like I do, and I love God. Oh, that's cool. No, I'm down. But with God. also, it's like it's like sometimes I'm like, bro, like no matter what I do in this life, you gotta like have me because I'm because I have gone through so much, dog. Like I'm trying my best. Like yeah. there's no like because I believe in you, like dog. Just like chill with me, bro. Like please, like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, hey, uh, look to the birds of the sky. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father takes care of them. Yeah, uh, I'm down with that bird shit. I'm. Uh, I mean, yes, exactly. I don't think that a higher being like that would punish you for being human. Well, and you know, you, humans I'd, are born I'd, sinners, I'd, baby. This is a fucking preacher podcast on humans. You're born sinners, dog, oh. and I'm a sinner. 
and everyone around me is a sinner, and so I let everyone treat me how so, they want so to. So take the, <laughs> so take the plank out of your own eye before r- removing the speck from your brother's eye. Another fucking. Oh yeah, you oh, know bam, more bam, about bam, the Bible than me. Oh, bam, Bible bam, bam, you know more about the Bible than me because I have never I, heard about I, it. Uh, <laughs> I I was uh, traditionally raised in the Bible. I went to Christian school for like. Years and years of my life, and oh, that's I, cool. I'm just casual Bible. Yeah. I studied Judaism for many, many years as well, so I'm versed in that's all of the Judeo-Christian fuck. things. I don't know a lot about Muslim shit. I know a little bit about the Mormons. I know just enough to be dangerous about the Mormons. But uh, honestly, yeah. I hate these boys, but I love these boys because they always know how to like bring it to like something super not serious oh, you know yeah where'd sam go speaking of i know sam being like speaking of, yeah, speaking of like me and you together i feel we bounce off each other and we're like let's get into no, the like, we're like, like, and you, like the fucking entire thing. yeah like fuck like let's go let's go into the entire yeah. thing like what is life about what is life about? And when two men get together too, I feel like that's how they're like too. They're like, hey, that's well, why Joe Rogan. Like, how big is your dick? Man? <laughs> that's Mine's why Joe Rogan like, is always like, yeah, I did DMT, and you know what I saw? Have like, you done DMT? No, oh, I'm yeah. so, I'm talking about uh, Joe Rogan. I I don't no, think no, I know. No, I get it. DMT. I know he talks about DMT too. Ba- like my brain fry zone. Like I last time I did acid. It was probably like it changed my life in a way that made me scared of literally making any mistakes. Wow. Like I was like, I have to stop drinking or I'm a fucking idiot. I have to stop fucking doing this or I'm a fucking idiot. I have to call my mom. I have to be a better daughter. And it made me anxious about everything. So now I can't let anyone down because but like also like whatever. Fuck it. Who cares? But um, that acid trip just made me feel so anxious about my life. And I think it, it like honestly like my dad like and schizophrenia is like fucking triggered by drugs and shit yeah, like that. Yeah, acid. I hear that acid definitely triggers schizophrenia. Yeah, so <laughs> I fucked my life up. Who else did that for themselves? <laughs> Who else gave themselves a mental illness that a lot of people have to go to the mental hospital for forever? So <laughs> I've done over, I'm going to say in my lifetime that I've done over 600 hits of acid. So uh, that's a lot of acid and they say that that after seven hits you're legally insane, and I, and I'll I'll deal with that, and that's fine. I didn't even get there, dude. It's because my whole family is like fucking crackhead crazy. Like that's why it took me only a few to be like I'm I'm legally insane. <laughs> but I I mean I definitely talk to myself all the time, and I hear voices in my head, and I've had invisible friends since I was young. There's no question about that. I remember having invisible friends since the time I was allowed to do that. Um, And I've always had a very, very rich fantasy life um, (laughs) throughout my entire life. I mean, it's not that that's a problem with me. It's like I, like the things that I see are like, I'm not crying. I'm literally just, I smoked weed. Um, I like the things that I see are like, disembodied human people and like people being like like I would be half asleep and there would someone be yelling like you don't like anybody like you know you don't love these people what the fuck are you doing here like stuff like that just yelling at me like 
insanity vortex that I'm surprised that I haven't had a nervous breakdown yet. You know, like, um, just, it takes a different type of person to cope. Like everything I see is a threat to me. Huh. And so it's like, I've been trying, I have learned a lot of things to be able to cope with stuff like that. But I don't know what I did to myself, but I, I did a lot of drugs during high, like I was always kind of neurotic, but I did a lot of drugs during high school. I was never aware. So I can't even like know if it's something that happened naturally or if it's something that I triggered. triggered. Yeah, sure. You know why Californians can't have guns? Why? Because they're always triggered. <laughs> That's funny. Constantly, I like that. They're constantly triggered. No, hey, I, I get it. I'm lucky that I didn't, I didn't, do I smoked pot for the first time when I was like seventeen? I had done. I didn't do any things. I didn't even drink. In I started school. drinking when I was twelve years old. I started smoking weed when I was thirteen. I started doing coke when I was sixteen. Wow! Yeah. I started. Um, what else? Or well, I started doing Xanax when I was sixteen. I started doing opioids when I was sixteen. Yeah. I started... I didn't ever like opioids. Opioids made me nauseous all the time, but I thought they were amazing for some reason. I started taking Xanax every day when I was 16. Well, Xanax is in the Tupam family. It's a benzodiazepine. It's actually... Yeah. It's actually... uh, Yeah, it's a little different. Yeah, I know. No, no. I I do love Mm. benzos, but they make me forget. And they... Like, honestly, like, I was so fucked up during all of high school, and I don't remember any of it, that I don't want to take Xanax ever again. Like, I... Like, I have gotten Xanax for free from people and just stowed it away and given it to other people because I... It's great for planes. It's great for plane flights. Yeah, but... you're afraid of flying. uh, Yeah. I mean, it is for... It is for anxiety, but when you use it for your everyday life, like, I can't... I can't control... Yeah. And they used to give... um, When you use it for your everyday life. in the 70s. Exactly. For postpartum depression. I did Valium for the first... Or, like, it was because I was prescribed... I was prescribed Valium. little helpers. I was prescribed Valium when I was in the third grade. Wow. Wow, you had serious anxiety. No, I, I had a neck injury. Why would they give you Valium? That makes no sense. It's a benzodiazepine. They just wanted me to relax. Wow. No, they didn't give me Valium. They gave me Vicodin. Oh, okay. Well, no, that's They gave me Vicodin. Which doesn't necessarily help because opioids just mask the pain and then you can hurt yourself more. If you, They should have given you a muscle relaxant. They should have given you yeah. Soma. Like no, soma yeah. Soma, but Soma I also abused. Ah, Soma's a lot of fun. I abused Soma in the late 90s. I would take a Soma. And I was like in high school. Beers, yeah. I was in a Soma, and I was like, let's go, friends. Uh, but it was it, only because I was so cheap in college. I couldn't afford alcohol, so I could use pills. Oh, no. The fact, that I, the fact that I take medication now, I used to be a 17-drink-a-night girl. I have Damn. had I have had three drinks tonight or four. Yeah, yeah. No, I used to in college. Uh, it was so funny because I was a dancer and I was a lot larger than I am now, and I was dancing like four hours a day. But I was also shotgunning and drinking like twelve beers a night. Yeah, it's like oh no. So I moved from beer to wine, and I lost like ten pounds immediately. That's what I keep telling. Aaron is because he he wants to lose weight and he's talking about like 
oh, I just need to, like, go on this diet. And I'm like, no, dude, you just need to stop drinking beer. Yeah, You're drinking I- beer IPA. Yeah, yeah, from beer to wine. Like, yeah. honestly, yeah. seltzer, too. It just makes you bloated. It's, I mean, and it's the water weight. I mean, there's all kinds of things happening. But, so that was always my problem. And when I fell on my face and had my whole alcoholic come to Jesus thing in uh, February 1st of this year, and people were like, oh, you drink too much, blah, blah, And I'm like, I actually don't drink too much. The problem is that I don't eat enough. The problem mm-hmm. is that I actually have an eating disorder. And so when I'm drinking all day on a Saturday, I'm thinking the whole time, well, I've had well, however many calories yeah, from the beer. Yes. Alcohol. Yeah, I was drunk anorexic for a while. Else. I was drunk anorexic for a while. Exactly. So I'm eating enough calories, but I'm not having real food. And so that's why I fell on my face and I had to get 15 stitches in my eye, et cetera, et cetera. So I made a deal with myself that I'm not allowed to drink unless I'm only allowed to have a beer for every 200. So if a beer is 200 calories, I'm not allowed to have that beer unless I've had 200 calories. That's a so good I idea. Have to. I'm not allowed. I have to eat before I drink. And again, tonight, I, I'm eating as much as I'm drinking. I've been eating. I have a granola bar in there that I need to eat in a second. And I had all the cheeses and all the things. And I was eating. And I made sure. But it's not that I have a drinking problem. Because I honestly don't drink. Even when I day drink, I only have one beer on the hour. So if I've been drinking for 14 hours, I've had 15 drinks. Yeah. So I have I, I just keep it going all day and I love it and I love day drinking. But I have to eat because I have to eat. So you have to eat. Because I have to eat. And that's the come to Jesus talk I had with myself is that I'm not an alcoholic. I have an eating disorder. And you know, and then that plays into all of my like fucking self esteem issues and blah blah blah. But and I'm an adult now. These are the things I'm dealing with. So, yay, I'm an adult yay. now, yay. Being an adult is so crazy, honestly. Like, I'm just transitioning from kind of being a kid, obviously. Like, I'm very young. I'm 22. I, like, I very often have to remind myself, like, oh, my gosh, this is what it's like not to be a kid. Like, it's not it's not that things are happening much worse than they were happening before. It's just that they're happening right now, and I'm aware of them. So here's the thing I have to say, and some of our other friends have left tonight, but I'm a person that got a DUI when I was 32, and I don't support anyone ever drinking behind the wheel ever at any time. Always leave your car. It is better to get a ticket. It's better to have your car towed. It's better to pay the $600 when your car is towed or to leave it somewhere and get a ticket than it is to get a DUI and spend the minimum $10,000 and all the other things that happen. Please, 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 please always leave your car. Don't drive drunk. Don't be dumb. And I know you're young. I know you think that you're going to live forever, and I know you think it's fine. But please, anybody out there, take it from the old lady who hasn't driven in 14 years now, because I'm a responsible adult. I'm a responsible adult, and I drink, and I smoke pot, and that's why I don't drive. Please, 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 never, ever, ever, ever. Because even if you think you can drive, it doesn't matter. They're still going to get you in trouble. And even if you can pass all their sobriety tests, if that breathalyzer comes above .08, which is like two drinks, and if you haven't eaten, please eat, please eat. If you haven't, it is so easy to blow .08. And you just don't want to deal with that headache. So... Leave your car, leave it parked, get a ticket, get it towed, 
It doesn't matter. It's better than driving home. Okay, that's my PSA. Da 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 da. Old lady trying to t- teach the children. <laughs> I love it. It's I'm just saying, like, it's always better. Even if you have to take a hundred fifty dollar Uber, it is cheaper than getting a DUI because they're out there and they're looking for you. They just they, it's just money in their pocket. Don't do it. Da, 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 da. Should we, we should play some music. Yeah. Let's Sam's music. bag is here, so we should be coming back. Mm-hmm. Damn, come back. Sorry. Okay. Uh, we'll we'll uh, what what kind of music do you like? Um, I'm a big fan of anything. Oh, <laughs> anything. I'm a big fan of anything.
Hello, it's me. This is MutinyRadio.fm on the internet from San Francisco. And it is time to get on board the morning train. Take me. Oh, yeah. 
The French-Cuban duo of Lisa Cande Diaz and Naomi Diaz from their self-titled 2015 album. We heard the first three short tunes that open the album, Elegua, Oya, and Ghosts. This is The Morning Train with your host, J.D. Buell, and now for Music of the Andes from Sukai.
resignado a perderte, me he resignado a olvidarte, porque nuestro amor es imposible, es mejor que todo se acabe, me he resignado a perderte, me he resignado a olvidarte, porque nuestro amor es imposible, es mejor que todo se acabe.
Buck Owens on the morning train. Buck Owens with smooth sailing from now on. Before Buck, we heard a selection from an album entitled Conjunto, Texas-Mexican Border Music. It was released on the Rounder Records label in 1988. We heard Steve Jordan, also known as Esteban Jordan, during that period of time, so as to not be confused with Steve Jordan of Keith Richards' uh, expensive winos. That was Corrido del Asiete, Corrido del Asiete, and we had another selection from that album, but uh, in between there, Wanda Jackson gave us Please Help Me, I'm Falling, 
And we were back at uh, Texas-Mexican border music for La Tipica by Flaco Jimenez. And before that, we had Tex Ritter, who gave us Railroad Life. And we began with the group Sukai, S-U-K-A-Y. And their album was entitled Mama Luna. It was released in 1987 on Flying Fish. And what we heard was the title selection, Mama Luna, Mehe Resignado, and Sose Yoron. You've got J.D. Buell trying to do his best with Spanish pronunciation here on the morning train. And we're heading over for some more. This is Chinas y Criollas, and it is the music of Arturo O'Farrell.
Great stuff, huh? That is the music of Arturo O'Farrell, who wrote that suite entitled Three Afro-Cuban Jazz Moods. They were Kaleidoscopico, Pensativo, y Exuberante. Chico uh, Chico O'Farrell is the father of that composer there, and he's also on the album. This is credited to Dizzy Gillespie, E Machito, it is entitled Afro-Cuban Jazz Moods, came out originally on the Pablo label in 1976 and is now available on Fantasy Original Jazz Classics. Chico O'Farrell was the conductor and arranger on that date, which his son produced. We began with Arturo O'Farrell himself at the piano from one of his own albums, 1999, the album called Bloodlines, and he gave us chinas y criollas. Well, enough Spanish for the time being. This is The Morning Train. I am J.D. Buell. I thank you for joining me. And this next set begins with a message from David Bowie. Said you took a big trip They said you moved away Happened oh so quietly They say Should've took a picture Something I could keep Buy a little frame Something cheap says hi Said you sailed a big ship Said you sailed away Didn't know the right thing to say Love to get a letter Like 
Money is housing. 